0: This is Cambridge Judge Business School's Online Knowledge Centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. We were one of the very originators of this idea back years ago now, which already saw that you could apply science services and in fact it's very much related to systems thinking and analytics at the same time so not just ourselves now other firms and in fact other universities changing their uh, curriculum their approach to how they do teaching along this line so to me it's a critically important element to actually teach folks to work in this future world
1: those were the views of IBM's Ginny Rometti on the importance of global relationships like the Cambridge Service Alliance of which her company is a core member. Senior Vice President and Group Executive Sales, Marketing and Strategy of IBM Corporation, she presented her organization's centennial lecture at Cambridge Judge Business School. It's one of a year-long series marking the 100-year anniversary of IBM's founding in 1911. In it, the company re-examines the history of technology innovation and predicts where the world will be in the next 100 years. Ginny Rometty has been named among Fortune magazine's 50 most powerful women in business for six consecutive years, including most recently 2010. Looking back over IBM's history, what does she think are some of the key lessons learned that leaders can apply in the decades ahead? You know, I'm glad you used the word lessons learned
0: because uh, this is something we really strive to achieve with the centennial was to focus on what do you take from the past to bring to the future, not a celebration of the past. And I know we've all individually thought about that. And to me, there's three big themes that you can take from the past. The first one is no matter what business you run or an institution or a university, you have got to constantly move away from commoditization, move to higher value. The second thing, you have got to place big bets. But I say big bets guided by what you believe in. And the third, and I don't think people think about this very often, it's the value of culture and that culture can be a competitive
1: weapon. Now, you mentioned commoditization. It implies that technological changes are delivering automated services and and that there's no longer a human element involved. That really is scary, isn't it?
0: You know what, I don't think of commoditization at all as a scary thing. To me, it's always about providing more value. In fact, commoditization means automation, and that's not the world I think we move towards. Automation will happen, has happened in the past. But now we're going to enter an era, I really believe it could be a golden era, where things like the use of information will almost help every business around the world become something in a different business model than it is today. And that is moving to higher value. So don't be afraid of it. It's all about, in fact, the lesson learned is don't be afraid of it. The lesson learned is to embrace it and keep moving.
1: Are our business leaders sufficiently self-critical? I mean, do they examine themselves and and, and what they're doing and look to make changes and in doing so produce that new product or that new service that keeps them in the position of of leadership?
0: You know, I I think there are many great leaders that are self-critical, but it's probably humility and that self-criticalness, if I can say, It's probably one of the greatest attributes to have to go forward because it's that very honest, external comparison uh, to other, whether it's other firms, other industries, always looking for something different that does really allow you to improve and succeed.
1: There are, just at this moment in time, there are other factors global recession, turmoil in the money markets, yes I'm being negative the possibility of a double dip which actually curtails in some respects R&D and, and it focuses attention on that on the S word, survival that is an issue isn't it?
0: You know, I uh, one thing we've learned over that hundred years, and, and we've had times where up times, down times times of change um, one thing we've always learned is this value of maintaining your level of research through those times I think it's an area where if you under invest in research. In research and however you deem that for your organization, it is impossible to catch up. So it's managing with a view of the long term. And therefore, if you do that, you keep in place some of what are the vital things for the future. And then you focus on what you can control. So I think those two elements about long term vision at the same time of then focusing no matter what the environment is on what I can control.
1: A few seconds ago, you you brought in a word, uh, culture, and said use it as a competitive weapon. Now, you've been saying the same thing to your audience this evening. What exactly do you mean?
0: You know, I think um, all of us as leaders for the next couple generations, um, when I think of culture, it's going to change. And it's going to change because of the environment we live in and because of this idea that this whole world is instrumented, it's connected, and it's certainly by giving rise to many of the things that have happened in the recent past here, as you see as a result of that. So I think of culture changing in three dimensions. One is a culture of systems thinking. In in order to solve most problems, you are going to have to make them bigger than smaller to actually solve them in this world. It's a culture of analytics. Instead of just experience, you are gonna take all of the unstructured information in the world and it's gonna get pulled together in ways you don't expect to help your decision making. And you need to learn how to do that. And then the third around culture is when those two things come together, I also believe you enable an organization to do things, not just to make money, and that's important, but let me use the word for a higher purpose. And if you have a higher purpose, I do think that that has an awful lot to do with maintaining a competitive workforce from now and into the future that makes a world of difference. And so the measure of an entity isn't just what it does, but it's the impact that it has. And those three elements of culture,
1: they're different than the cultures of the past. Those elements of culture are the, the elements that the people attending, the students of Cambridge Judge Business School, are going to have to learn and, and develop and uh, take on board.
0: It's a good question because I think it fundamentally challenges and changes the way universities do teach our students coming out to work in a way... I would say this isn't about just taking finance people and teaching them a little bit about operations research or operations research and getting a little bit of a finance education. This fundamentally really does endorse uh, cross-disciplinary learning and, in fact, learning how to use this world of information in a way that it'll more than augment what you do, and it'll actually change every process that I believe a, a, a corporation does. And not just that, it'll enable business models they don't even think about today. And that idea of thinking through new enabled business models in a cross-functional, cross-disciplinary way is a different way that I believe institutions can absolutely help prepare folks for the future.
1: Why is systems thinking so important? Mm. You know, if you think
0: about the kinds of problems in the world today, um, in fact, I won't even back up. You'll hear, and you've heard us talk about for quite some time now, the word Smarter Planet. Smarter Planet actually is really about addressing risk, inefficiency, and new forms of growth in the world. And it was because everything is, think of it, has a computer in it. It's producing information in some way. It's connected together. Boy, you'd hope you'd be able to get new information and insights out of that. So systems thinking to solve the size of some of the problems in the world today as, as certainly as evidenced by some of the financial crisis of 2008. These are all interrelated systems. What started in one place ends five systems away. And so that's why I say to solve problems of the future, you may have to open your aperture, make the problem bigger, and look at it as a system of systems in order to solve this. And certainly things like Food, hunger, these are all systems of systems types of problems. So is energy, transportation. Think of how many things are connected when you go to try to fix those things. And that's why I think it is so important. It doesn't matter what domain you're in. It's, a, it's an area you're going to have to get comfortable thinking that way.
1: you just mentioned analytics. Give me an example of what you mean by analytics. Let me tell you what I don't
0: mean by analytics first. Sometimes that's always more informative of what you don't mean. You know, if you think about decision-making today, decision-making today, it, people do use information. It is more based on their rearview mirror or their taillights, as you speak. When I think of analytics, I think of a world which is about prediction. I think of a world that unites all forms of information, video, text, voice, anything that you can think of pulled together. And in that prediction, goes a long way towards reducing risk inefficiency or enabling new businesses. So to me, analytics is kind of a short catchphrase for a world that winners and losers just may very well be determined by how they use information.
1: Earlier this year, your supercomputer, Watson, wiped the floor with uh, its human rivals in the trivia show, Jeopardy. Now, what does the development of Watson mean in terms of of, uh, the capabilities of computing?
0: Yes. You know, if you step back, um, Watson means much more than just a machine that happened to play a game show, although it was a wonderful venue to prove something. Um, In our, even in our lifetimes, since the early 1900s, to this date, there's been two forms of computing. The first form till 1960 was tabulating, and no matter what the machine was, it counted things. From 1960 on, when IBM introduced something called the System 360, it was an era of computing that differed from tabulating, and it was programmable. Everything that you and I know of today as computers are programmable. What Watson really was was your first glimpse of what I think is the third era of computing that we'll know in its cognitive and learning systems. So Watson isn't a big search engine. That is not. Some people think it's a search, a search engine on steroids. That's not what it is. It is actually a system that knows how to learn from its mistakes and produce evidence for what it believes. That is a whole era, and with that unlocks in healthcare is one of the first places it'll be used. Just think of how you could change healthcare on the whole face of the earth in any population, and that is what a Watson really holds the key over time to be able to do.
1: Ginny Rometty, thank you very much.
0: This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.